As we move throughout this Christmas season, as you can even feel that that Christmas at Vintage is, is very different than maybe what you're used to as far as Christmas in the church. We very intentionally try to try to pull back just a little bit, try to try to even even pull back what we do in here. It's just this different vibe. And because we understand that during this season, for so many of us, everything just kind of ramps up. We have so many demands, so many pressures, so many expectations that it feels like in a time that we're celebrating the Prince of Peace, our lives are full of nothing but chaos because you got to go to 57 million different Christmas parties. You've bought every ugly sweater they have on Amazon. You do all the things with your work, your job, grandmother, grandparents, different sets of families, and it's, it's all this tension of having to go from one place to the other. And it's, it's so often the significance of the season can get swallowed up in the busyness of it, amen? To where you get to Christmas and you're just ready for it to be over, and the next thing you know on Christmas morning, you're drowning in wrapping paper, and everybody in your family has gone off to play with their toys or try on their clothes, and you think, somebody got to clean this mess up. And you're just like, I'm glad it's over. And you're ready for it to end. And this season, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be a season of significance. And our prayer is that what you experience over these Sundays and these weekends at Venice Church helps you be reminded of why we celebrate so it, it doesn't get lost. Because it's so easy to miss it. Amen? It's so easy to miss it. So many people missed it. When Jesus came, the people that should have recognized him most didn't. The people that should have seen all the details as they heard where he was from and how he came and who showed up, because as we've said many times, all throughout the Old Testament, God made it really clear what to look for. He, he showed us the signs. And you would think the Pharisees and the people that had been able to be exposed to the Torah, those first five books of the Bible, and had been learning from the prophets like Isaiah, that when Jesus showed up, they, they should have seen it. They should have noticed him. But as a matter of fact, not only did the people who should have recognized him most miss him, they're the ones that led the charge to crucify him. Now, I'm like you. You wonder why. You'd like to go, like, how did y'all not see this? How, 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 did you, how did you read all this stuff and spend most of your life studying it? And somehow when Jesus come, came, you, you not only didn't recognize him, you hated him. You had contempt for him. And there's probably a lot of reasons for why that happened, but I would think one of them was what we talked about last week. A lot of time had gone by. Remember that time from the Malachi to Matthew, that space between God spoke last and when God spoke again, announcing the birth of Jesus or the coming of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus, 400 years had gone by. That's a long time to wait. Come on, that's a long time to wait. And can we be honest? Waiting does something to you. Waiting does something to you. And the longer you wait, the more it can impact your perspective, your expectations, 
I know I'm not saying anything to anybody in the room that you, that's foreign to you because you've had to wait before. But when you wait for 400 years and you've been waiting from one generation to the next, that, that in that waiting, a lot of things can happen to change your heart, change your mind, change your perspective so much so that when what you've waiting for finally shows up, you don't even recognize it. But in the Christmas narrative, there's one man who had been waiting that was really the first other than maybe the wise men and, and those shepherds on that night that Jesus was born, he was the one that saw Jesus for who he was because he had been waiting to see it. Go to Luke chapter, no, you stay in Psalm. I'm gonna make you wait for Psalm 46. See what I did there? Look with me on the screen. It's Luke chapter two, verses 25 through 26. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And if you read the story, um, Mary and Joseph take Jesus into the temple to do ceremonial, what was ceremonially what was necessary because they walked in this Jewish faith and Simeon recognizes Jesus and he sees him for who he is and he worships him because somehow in the waiting, all that was supposed to happen didn't get lost on Simeon. He had found a way, look at, to wait well. Can I ask you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because I would, I'd be willing to bet there's not a single person in this room and not a single person worshiping with us online that isn't waiting for something. There's something that you desire, something that you're praying for, something that you're longing for, and you're waiting. And probably there are, there are different degrees. Some seasons are longer than others. Some of you have been waiting for this thing. And this is what I know. The moment I'm talking, like God's either, either stirring something in your heart, already planted something in your mind, and you know that thing that you've been waiting for, that you've been waiting on. And maybe it's been a week. Maybe there's some people in the room, like, you're waiting on Christmas because you know what you're getting. And you're excited. And you can't wait till December the 25th gets here. Or some of you, you've been waiting on whatever it might be. I won't even venture to go down the list because it would be six miles long of the things that you could potentially be waiting on, waiting for. But this is what I know to be true. This is what I deeply am convinced after reading this word nearly my whole life and trying to understand it all throughout my adult life, that there is something that we have to reckon with. To walk with God faithfully, you must learn to wait patiently. Say amen if you think that's good and you know it's true. To walk with God faithfully, you must learn to wait patiently. Because there's not a single person in all of the Bible that walked with God faithfully, listen, that wasn't required to wait patiently. I believe that this book is true. Anybody with me? 
I believe it's real. I believe the people, I believe these, these aren't characters from a comic book. These are real people, just like us in so many ways. People with, with real lives and real struggles and real dreams and real hopes and real families and real pain and real struggle in pursuit of a real God. And I dare you to show me a single one that God didn't ask to wait. Some longer than others, some shorter than others. And what they were waiting on varied as much as there were stories. But to walk with God faithfully, we must learn to wait patiently. Notice I didn't say we must learn to wait. I said we got to learn to wait patiently. That's the hard part. Come on, somebody. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 with me. If you know Hebrews chapter 11, it's kind of known as this book in the Bible that's like the Faith Hall of Fame. In it, they, the writer of Hebrews, and we're not exactly sure who wrote Hebrews. We, it's not assigned an author. There's many theories about who could have possibly written this book that we have in our New Testament. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we get this Old Testament history lesson where we're reminded of all these people of faith that have gone before us. Like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. Did you know that Noah, look at me, had to wait 120 years after God told him to build an ark before a drop of rain fell? That's a long time. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, that Abraham had to wait 24 years from the moment God told him he would have a son before he would ever hold Isaac in his arms. He had to wait. Keep going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21 by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff, that Jacob had to wait years to see his son Joseph again, believing all the while he had been murdered and was dead. He had to wait. Drop down to verse 23. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they didn't fear the king's edict. That if you look at the story of Moses, he spent years waiting, 40 years in the wilderness tending to his father-in-law's stuff before the burning bush spoke into him what his purpose would be. David. It was 15 years that went by from the time that Samuel stood in front of him and said, you're going to be king one day before the crown would be on his head. That there's not a single person of faith in all the scripture that we revere, that we respect, that we look up to, that we admire, whose faith doesn't inspire us to pursue God. Not a single one of them were immune to waiting. So why do you think it's going to happen so fast? We are, we are an instant gratification culture. 
I heard, I heard somebody say, I don't know, I was listening to a podcast. We're a culture filled with people who burn our mouths on Hot Pockets. Ain't it true? Like, you know that thing is blazing hot. That cheese is going to fall down. It's going to burn a streak all the way down your chin. Because we, we want it right now. We, we want to experience it right now. And we're so used to so... We are, you know what? All Christmas, I hit Amazon today and tomorrow it's on my porch. We're so consumed with, with instant gratification, immediate results to where it's warped our ability, our willingness to wait. But if anything is true about these people in Scripture and anything is true about all of life, no one is immune to waiting, not even the one whose birth we're about to celebrate. The Father even made the Son wait. Look at Luke chapter 3. Verse 21 it says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old that the father made the son wait 30 years before he came down from heaven and said, I'm pleased with you. Even Jesus had to wait. He had to spend three decades in obscurity in this little itty-bitty town called Nazareth. So much obscurity, we don't even really know what involved what all happened in that space? We have this moment at his birth and we have this moment in the temple and then we have this moment where Mary and Joseph lose him. Feel better, parents. And then that's it. For 30 years, Jesus had to wait. So, so will we. To walk with God faithfully, you must learn to wait patiently. Because a demonstration of patience is a declaration of faith. A demonstration of patience is a declaration of faith. Because there is no faith where there is no willingness to wait. A willingness to wait is a declaration of faith. When we're willing to wait, it's expressing to God, I trust you. When we wait, we say, God, I trust you. When we wait, we say, God, I believe that you will come through on your word. When we are willing to wait and not try to control and not try to manifest ourselves or manufacture in our own effort, it's us saying to God, I believe what you said and I will wait for you to do it and I will not try to control the situation myself. And very few of us are any good at that. That, look at me. Waiting is what makes faith necessary. If you didn't have to wait, there would really be no need for faith. But before we get all these stories about these people of faith, the writer of Hebrews tells us, like in verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. 
In other words, faith is trusting in what you're waiting on will come. Isn't that essentially what it's saying? Put it back up. Put it back up. Hebrews 11, 1. Put it back on the screen for me. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, it's certain about something that is yet to come, which means what? Talk to me. You're waiting. The conviction of the things not seen. And we're also reminded in verse six, now without faith, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's in the weight where God builds authentic belief that we call faith. It's in the weight where God builds the authentic belief that we call faith. It's also in the weight where where trust is tested and character is created. It's in, it's in that space of waiting where trust is tested. Our willingness to wait declares how much we trust the one we're waiting on. It's also where it develops our character and forges things in us that only wait can create. I think about verses like James chapter 5. Verses seven through 11. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be what? Talk to me. Patient. Be patient. And so the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You, almost, you also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another Mm -hmm. so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. And you've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about The Lord is compassionate and merciful. In other words, the writer of James, see, we have all these testimonies of the produce of patience, the byproduct of patience. It says, be patient, trust, believe. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that the, that affliction produces endurance. Endurance pro- produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. To walk with God faithfully, you and I must learn to wait patiently. But to do that, we have to endure what I'll call the impulses of impatience. Because see, what often happens is we get impatient and then we get impulsive and we make choices that delay or maybe even disqualify us from perceiving what God has promised. We got to avoid the impulses of impatience. And see, the longer you wait, the more impatient you become and the more impulsive you can be. 
Anybody ever been impulsive or is it just me? Anybody ever been waiting for God to do something for so long? You're like, all right, God, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it myself. Or had a moment where maybe the enemy gets in and starts to say things to you and create doubt and say, you know what? If this is going to happen, you're going to have to do it yourself. Can I just say, I've learned doing it myself doesn't work out too good. Can somebody else testify? Man, if I had the list of the things that I have screwed up in my life, y'all would say, we need a new pastor. Impatient. And let me just say, look at me. Impatience is inevitable. You're going to get impatient. It's avoiding the impulses of impatience that we have to watch out for. When God asks you to wait, you're going to have a moment when you get impatient, when you get mad, when you get frustrated. It's not going to be just that you're waiting. You're like, God, why are you making me wait? Because you know what? I think I deserve it now. Oh, really? And it, if you look at, at David, there'll be moments where, where you get so impatient, you even start to wonder if God is still even real. Psalm 13, I love it. Psalm 13, verses one through six. David says, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? David's in this waiting season. He feels like, God, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Did, did, you left me. You forgot about me. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer me, Lord, my God. Restore, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I have shaken. Verse five. In the same journal entry, <laughs> Because that's essentially what this is, right? These Psalms of David, they're his journal. But I have trusted in your faithful love and my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. You gotta learn to wait. If you're gonna walk with God faithfully, you're gonna have to learn to wait patiently and to wait patiently is to endure the impulses of impatience and resist the temptation to take control. It's in this waiting where trust is tested and character is created and authentic belief is truly built. And I don't know what you're waiting on or what you're waiting for and I don't know how long that season has been because this is what I've discovered though. Come on, that the difficulty's not in the duration, it's in the location. And what I mean by that, it's not about how long we have to wait, it's all the junk we feel like we have to deal with in the meantime. That, yeah, we look at Noah and think 120 years to wait for a raindrop, but also think about the disciples and thinking three days believing Jesus was never coming back. It's not about, the difficulty is not just about the duration. It's about the location, like the season that, that you're in that, where the waiting comes. The other thing that frustrates me is sometimes I wish God would wait. 
God, why don't you wait till right before you're about to give it to me to tell me I'm going to have it? Because you told me and you got my heart longing for it and now I'm waiting on it. I wonder if Abraham said, God, if you were going to make me wait 24 years, why didn't you just tell me about 20 years in? (laughs) I know what that's like. I never knew how much I wanted to be a dad until Ashley had her first miscarriage. And that put a longing in my soul to be a father that I had to wait several years for. But when I held you and your sister, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. To walk with God faithfully, you have to learn to wait patiently. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Or perhaps the one that you're most familiar with, the one that I told you to look up, but then asked you to wait to read. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. That God often looks at his children and he puts something in our hearts, a desire, a longing, a dream, a hope. And then he says, wait. And why am I asking you to wait? I don't know that you'll ever be able to fully know, but part of it is I'm preparing you for what I've prepared for you. So be still and know. The two Hebrew words in that Psalm are Rapha Yada. And the, the Hebrew language is such a beautiful, rich language. It's so different than our English language because we think be still, we just think be still and then just like know. Like, like it's a head knowledge. But no, first of all, Rafa is, is, is not just a be still, it's a stop. It's more than just like, like a physical pause. It's like emotionally just release and settle in and rest in and just stop striving and stop trying to figure it out and stop letting all the scenarios play out in your mind and stop thinking about all the ways that you can make it happen and want to manufacture it and what you'll do when you have it. Just, just stop. Rafa. And then Yada is more than just like a, a knowing of God's existence. It's a, it's a full recognition of his presence. Like the best analogy I can think of is like when if one of my kids is sick, it's one thing to know that I'm present somewhere in the house. It's a different thing for me to sit in the bed and hold their hand and let them know that I'm with them. Does that make sense? That's yada. Not just that I'm real, but I'm near. I don't know what you're waiting for. This is a season of waiting. But to walk with God faithfully, we have to learn to wait patiently. So, Rafa yada. Rafa yada. Be still and know.
bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Lord, right now, over the next few moments, I pray that your spirit would just be real in this room and that, Lord, you'd speak to those who are in the waiting, whose faith is being stretched, whose trust is being tested, whose character is being forged, but who, is, who are getting really impatient. And God, right now, I pray that as they listen to this song and they soak in your presence that you would help them to stay patient, stay trusting, to walk by and in faith, to be still and to know. In Jesus' name we pray.